Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, your resident fire here on the podcast, fourth year student at the University of Georgia, and three hours southeast of me in the city of Statesboro, Georgia, as always, is my co-host the local ice, Mr. Bryson Wheeler. Bryson, we had a we had a pretty good weekend of college football last weekend. Uh, this weekend's kind of a downer, but a lot of things going on out off the field in the sport, and obviously it's you know, our favorite weekend of the year, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So, Bryson, before we move on, how are we doing before we get into today's slate? Doing great and ready to talk, you know, like you said about the, that game, the Georgia-Florida game. I'm pretty sure both of us are going to go to it. should be a fun one. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But let's go over what happened last week real quick. And the first game on the slate was the big noon kickoff between Penn State and Ohio State. And it was a defensive battle for most of the game. And, you know, Kyle McCord and Drew Aller are two quarterbacks who are very serviceable. They're good quarterbacks, but I don't think either is good enough to win you a national championship. And I think this game proved it. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is not as good as he is, Ohio State loses this game. Both defenses look phenomenal. I will give them that. But in my opinion, neither team is a national championship contender. I think either could make the playoffs. I think Michigan is going to be both of them. But it's two teams with really poor offenses, but really, 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 really good defenses. What were your thoughts about this one? Yeah, I mean, we obviously both picked Penn State and got burned. But I think it was something like exactly like you said. Kyle McCord is not going to be able to win you a national championship like Shroud and Fields have in the last couple of years. And they do have Marvin Harrison Jr. He's a great player. He's a top five draft pick. You know, bar none. He's Maserati Marv, you know, if Gus Johnson is on the call. But at the end of the day, he is the difference maker for that team, the X Factor, however you want to say it. But if you were to neutralize him or, you know, take him out of the equation, this team doesn't scare many people. And I think it's a little bit overreaction to say that Michigan's going to cakewalk both these games. I would pick them to win both. Um, But the biggest thing that I took away from this game is – the amount of teams that have the record and the resume to be there in the end, I don't know if they have the talent to. And I think that's going to dwindle a lot last week, this week, and the next week as well. All right, let's move into the next one. And it's Utah edging out USC. And this USC team is the exact opposite of what we just talked about. They are a team with all offense and absolutely no defense. And you may say, oh, well, they only gave up 34 to Utah. Well, this was tied for the most points that Utah has scored in a game. This has been a Utah team who very much so like the Ohio State and Penn State teams is a defensive team and just going to beat you physically. Now, this was probably Bryson Barnes's best game of his career so far, Utah's quarterback, but it was against a very poor defense. He threw for 235 and three touchdowns. Jaquindon Jackson, that running back, went for 117 on the ground. Then on the other side, you saw USC struggle, especially in the second half on offense. Caleb Williams threw for 256, did not have a touchdown, but they had three rushing touchdowns on the ground, one by each of Marshawn Lloyd, Caleb Williams, and Zachariah Branch. Taj Washington had a great game. I mean, this is a team full of playmakers on offense. Really, really great offense, but great win for Utah going on the road, scoring just enough to beat this USC team. But what were your thoughts? I mean, how many times do I have to just tell you I told you guys on this USC team? They were never 
high on my radar because of their defensive woes, and I didn't expect that to change, regardless of how much the transfer portal rebuilt the the players, because I think it's an institutional problem. And I think what I mean by institutional problem, it's a Lincoln Riley problem. And I picked Utah to win this game on that sole fact, and I knew their defense was worrisome, and it and it made me a little hesitant to pick the Utes last week. But at the same time, I cannot trust Alex Grinch to win a football game. And I knew Bryson Barnes was just good enough to keep them in contention, and they did just that. This USC team really has to start looking in the mirror because the talent's there. You have one of the biggest booster clubs in the country. You have a top 5-10 coach, according to everyone in Lincoln Riley, which I don't know if I agree with. But at the end of the day, something has to change. And now you have people calling for Caleb Williams to sit out. The softest tweet I think I've ever seen in the history of college football. He's going to play, though, because he's that type of person. And maybe not, maybe not in the bowl game, but he's going to finish the season. And USC now has to – they're facing the same dilemma that Notre Dame did when Notre Dame played against uh, USC at home a couple weeks ago. You've got two losses now. You're probably out of the picture. Your quarterback's probably out of the Heisman conversation. What are you going to play for now? And it's interesting because this USC team is talented enough to finish the season 10-2, and two, but they also have enough flaws to finish this season 7-5. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they got to fix something. I saw a tweet that said um, Lincoln Riley will never win a national championship. Do you agree with that? As long as Alex Grinch is his defensive coordinator, yeah. But I think it's even at this point going to be really hard to make the claim that even Lincoln Riley himself, regardless of his coordinators, can win one. I'm not going to say it's a it's a 0% chance, but that chance is dwindling every week. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the last one I want to talk about from this past weekend, and it's the Alabama Crimson Tide winning over Tennessee in one of the best second-half turnarounds I've seen in my life, probably. Tennessee's up 20-7 to at halftime. Tennessee on this first half. It I had no feeling that Bama was going to come back and win this game at halftime, and boy, did they ever. They outscored Tennessee 27 to nothing in the second half. The Alabama defense just absolutely took over, looked like the Nick Saban defenses that we're used to seeing, the ones under Kirby Smart that we saw. I mean, the front seven led by Will Anderson, I mean, Will Dallas Turner, excuse me, uh, and then the secondary, you know, with Caleb Downs, Terry on Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, the absolutely loaded secondary was just phenomenal. Jalen Milrow and Jace McClellan did just enough on, in the ground game to keep it going and score when needed. But this defense, what a turnaround they made in the second half. What were your thoughts on it? I mean, an absolute amazing turnaround, sadly. But I think this question, and I asked this question on my radio show yesterday, and both of my co-hosts had a, a on-the-fence answer, but I, I want to pose it to you. Did the second half make you think, and you let's just pick one, A, that this Tennessee team is really a paper tiger, had a really great first half, but came down back to earth and Alabama handled business, or B, is Alabama a serious, serious national championship contender to the point where a win, a winning out to a title is not a big no, I don't think that they're a national, a big national championship threat. I do think, though, if they get hot at the right time, if Julian Monroe stops making some of the mistakes, they can be. I don't think they're there yet. But I, I don't see any reason they can't play with Georgia without Brock Bowers. 
it, I, I'm starting to get a little more hope on this Alabama team, but it is also, like you said, this Tennessee team is not that good. I mean, this is a team that Florida absolutely destroyed, and Florida is not that good of a football team. I get it was in the swamp, whatever, but Tennessee has good pieces. I don't think they're that great. I think Bama is getting better every week, and if they keep doing that, I think they can be where you're talking about, but I don't think they're there right now. Yeah, Jalen Milrose still has a lot of questions that need to be answered from the quarterback position. And when it comes to uh, the Tennessee side, Joe Milton has been a huge letdown. I know he looked really great in the first half on Saturday, but other than that, he's been a huge letdown. And while the defensive front has been awesome for the Volunteers, their secondary and their running game at points has been suspect. And I think that's what's going to be their in, or their downfall maybe this weekend, maybe the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time that Jalen Milrow played a game and didn't turn the ball over? I don't think he's ever done it in college. Exactly. So he's got to fix that up. But let's get into our games for this week. And last week you went 5-2. and two. I went 4-3. and three. You gained a game on me. You are now 14 and 7. I am 15 and 6. One game lead for me. But let's get into it with the game that kicks off tonight here in Statesboro. It is Georgia State coming and playing by Georgia Southern Eagles. Georgia Southern is a one point favorite. This game is going to be on ESPN2 if anybody wants to watch this one. I think it's going to be a fun one. It's two teams who have played really, really great this year. Georgia Southern has two losses to. Uh, James Madison and Wisconsin, two very good football teams, and Georgia State lost a game to Troy. I think this is going to be a fun one. Davis Brim from Georgia Southern has been playing great. Caleb Hood, so many other playmakers for this Georgia Southern team, led by Clay Helton, who's had a great offense this year. and Pretty much every year he's been a college football coach. I think Southern's going to pull this one out. I know we picked them against James Madison, and James Madison absolutely destroyed them. But I don't think Georgia State's near the team that James Madison is. This one is at home as well. I think it's going to be a great crowd, especially for a Thursday night game. Give me Georgia Southern by seven. What's your pick? Yeah, so this team, um, it's really going to come down to Davis Brennan. I think Davis Brennan is a very capable quarterback. He's had great moments throughout the season. The problem is he's a turnover machine at times. And Georgia State has a decent defense. They can create pressure. They can cause opportunities. If they get if Brim gets into turnover mode, it's going to be very hard for the Eagles to win this, to win this game. However, I am going to take the Eagles at home. I think Paulson Stadium is a great place to play. I think it's Thursday night's going to add some extra ambiance to the scene. It's state not southern, southern not state, depending on how you where you went to school. And, and this weekend, I'm going to pick southern not state. I'm going to take the Eagles to win by three. Wouldn't be shocked if Georgia State wins this game, but I am going to take the home team in a, in a slight cup. Yeah, expecting a really good one tonight. All right, 3.30 CBS kickoff Saturday. Georgia, Florida. Should be another phone one. And it's, here's been my thinking about it. Which Florida defense is going to show up? Is it going to be the defense that we saw the first three or four weeks of the season? Because if so, I think Florida very much can play with Georgia in this one. I think they may can even win this game. But if it's the defense of the last two or three weeks, we're going to get absolutely throttled. Georgia's going to look to get their run game going. I mean, you look what Ray Davis did to us. You look what South Carolina's running backs did to us. You can very much so expose this Florida front seven and run all over us 
And I think Georgia is going to look to get to that, get back to their old ground game style of play, especially with Brock Bowers out. Not saying they don't have any other really good playmakers, but being down your best playmaker against a defense that is suspect against the run, why not just get the ground game going? On the other side, we're going to look for Graham Mertz to see how he can do with a little bit of pressure. I mean, this is probably the best defense he's faced in his career up to this point, and Graham Mertz has played really, really well this year. He's probably been a top 15 to 20 quarterback in college football, not turning the ball over much, completing a lot of passes. He's been a very good thing for this Florida offense that I was not expecting this year. I do think Georgia's going to win this game. I think they win fairly handily just because I'm not confident in this Florida defense. But like I said, if the Florida defense the first few weeks shows up, this is very well going to be a really good football game. But give me Georgia somewhere around 17. I think they're going to slightly cover the 14-and-a-half spread. What's your pick? Yeah, so I think this game really has two ways of going. And and it really starts with this. If the Florida defense that showed up against Tennessee comes into Taylor to Jacksonville and Georgia kind of falters out of the gate like we have in the past, we could be looking up and it's the third quarter and we're tied. And that game is a very dangerous game. I, I think I would still take Georgia to win it, but obviously the later the game is, the closer the game is, the chances of some chaos happening increases, obviously. But I'm kind of leaning towards the other side and call it wishful thinking. I think this is a get-right game. Um, and not saying that Florida is not someone you take lightly, and I think that's something that the coaching staff and the players know very well, especially after 2020. Um, we thought it was going to be a get-right game there as well. I think this team is going to be very motivated. And I, and I understand that there's a lot of calls for Mike Bobo to be removed as offense coordinator. But Mike Bobo posted the highest points per game in SEC history without Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley – or excuse me, without Todd Gurley and a number one right receiver, and Aaron Murray was bat- battling a shoulder injury – or Hudson Mason was his quarterback. The playmakers, obviously, using Brock Bowers, having Brock Bowers at your disposal was a huge plus. But at the same time, with the talent that is in the reserves for this Georgia team, we can have a next man up mentality. Now, will it come down to effort on the field? It'll come down to execution. I think this is a Carson Beck game. I think he's going to go back home to his hometown of Jacksonville, play really well, show people that we're going to be okay. Uh, And I think we get out of Jacksonville with a 38-20 to win. All right, so somewhere right around what I'm expecting, an 18-point win. So about the same thoughts there. All right. Yeah. Oregon goes to Utah. This one's going to be fun. 3.30, Oregon's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And Utah, like I was saying, is a very, very good defensive team. Has definitely struggled on the offensive side, though. Oregon has a really high explosive offense. Can score a lot of points. Bo Nix is looking great. They have playmakers galore. I think Oregon does win this game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Give me Oregon by four. Yeah, this is where this is the reason I never win the picks, but I'm going to take the Utah youth at home. I really like this Oregon team, but I, I, Bo Nix does have road struggles. It's something that he's battled his whole career, and I know he's getting better. Um, but I think Utah could create that nasty environment for him. 
Bryson Barnes looked better. I think he takes another step forward, and I understand this Oregon defense is great. And quite honestly, I know this is a little recency bias, but I think this game was close enough that at the end of the game, Dan, Dan Lanning gets aggressive once again in a place that I maybe he shouldn't. They fail to convert, and Utah's got a chance to win the game late. I'm going to take Utah by three at home. All right. Uh, 12 kickoff on Fox. Oklahoma travels to Kansas. Oklahoma's a 10-point favorite in this one, and I think I'm going to take the underdogs in this one outright. So, last week, I had UCF uh, in Oklahoma as my bold prediction of the week. I said that UCF would only lose by seven or less. and They were 19-point underdogs, and they ended up losing by two. Very well could have won the game. But... I think I don't think this Oklahoma team is that good, and this Kansas team is – they've been very Jekyll and Hyde this year, but if Jalen Daniels is playing this week, which I'm not sure if he is, but if he is, I think Kansas very much can win this game. Even without him, I think they can win it. I might as well go with the upset here. Give me Kansas outright as a 10-point underdog against Oklahoma. So I do agree this game's going to be a lot closer. I think it'll be a dogfight. I do think Jalen Daniels is going to play this game. I think Oklahoma gets a little bit back on the saddle this week. I'm going to, pay, I'm going to take them to win only by seven, though, so Kansas covers. All right. Duke at Louisville. Louisville is a four-point favorite, and I'm not really sure why because after watching these two teams, I don't see how people think Louisville is a better team than Duke. Riley Leonard missed this past week, or, well, he started. He was a little banged up when he started. Came out in the second or third quarter, missed the rest of the game. He wanted to come back in, but his coach wouldn't let him, and they ended up losing by 18 to Florida State. It was very close in the first half, though. But this is a really good Duke football team. This may be the best Duke football team that I've seen in my lifetime. And – Louisville is a paper tiger, in my opinion. I get they had a great win against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's a team that I think is really, really good. But I think if Louisville and Notre Dame play this upcoming weekend, it's a very different story. Give me Duke on the road to win by seven. What's your pick? That's the correct pick. It's Duke by seven on the road. I I really like Mike Elko, and I think Jeff Brom and Jack Plummer have done a great job since coming over from Purdue. Um, But – Jack Plummer has one fatal flaw, and we saw it a lot in the Pittsburgh game a couple weeks ago. He doesn't. He gets confused. When the defense runs some blitzes or some secondary packages, which changes the defense at the line, he gets confused and loses his keys uh, very quickly. The team in the country that does the most disguised blitz and the most gaff blocks and the most blitz packages and stunts and all this is Mike Elko's Duke defense. Um Duke has never lost a game outside of last weekend under Mike Elko by more than one score. I don't think in a close game that Louisville's got enough to do it. Now, Cardinal Stadium is an underrated place to play in the ACC, but I think this Duke team is still underrated for how talented they are. Give me the Blue Devils to go on the road and win by seven. All right. Tennessee travels to Lexington to take on the Wildcats, and this was probably the hardest game for me to pick on this slate. I think it's going to be a great one. Tennessee is a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I think I'm going to pick them to win by about three. And I think it's because what I saw out of them in this first half against Alabama was a very improved Tennessee team. Now, I get the second half was absolutely horrible, but I think it was a little more of a testament to this Alabama defense. 
Tennessee and Joe Milton on offense looked great in that first half against Alabama, and I think you're going to see that. I think they're going to be able to stop Devin Leary. I think it's going to rely on Ray Davis. I think Ray Davis has a good game, but not a great game, not enough to win them this game single-handedly. Give me Tennessee by three on the road. Yeah, so I'm going to have to go with the home team. I'm going to take the Kentucky Wildcats. Two reasons why. Tennessee is awful on the road at Kentucky's Kroger Field. Is a very underrated place to play, I believe. But also at the same time, I think Ray Davis is going to be able to get some running room on this Tennessee front seven. Just enough. Like, not much, but just enough to open up the play action. I think this is a great game for Devin Leary to have some time. Um, we saw that Jalen Milrow was able to expose some of the deep secondary threats. I think Devin Leary's got the arm. They just need to be aggressive. I think Kentucky will be aggressive. Um, in this game, and I think they eke it out at home. Give me the Wildcats by three. All right, and the last game on the slate, Oregon State at Arizona. 10-30 kickoff on ESPN, and this has been, you know, our little baby, Oregon State. The one week I faded them, they burned me, and so I'm not fading them again. I think this Arizona team is really, really good, and this, if this wasn't Oregon State, I'd probably pick them to win, but since it is Oregon State, got to pick them to win. But let's talk about what Oregon or Arizona has done the last few weeks. Arizona beat Washington State 44 to 6. They took USC to triple overtime the week before. They only lost to Washington by 7. I mean, this is a really really good Arizona football team. They're playing at home. I think they very well much can win this game, but give me Oregon State by 3 on the road. Yeah, Tucson's going to be rocking. Uh, Saturday night, and Oregon State is a team that is the wagon, but they definitely can slip up. We saw how they slipped up in the past already. Versus, uh, I guess they would have lost to UCLA or Washington State. They lost to Washington State. I am going to take the Beavers. Like you said, they are the wagon. You don't go off the wagon until the wheels fall off. But this Arizona team is a very dangerous team, and I think it's going to be a great Saturday night matchup. Absolutely. All right, that's all I have in the college football world if you're ready to move on. Sounds good. All right, I've got two NFL games I want to talk about, and the first is the Ravens' pummeling of the Detroit Lions. And this one was a shock. I did think the Ravens would win at home, but not by this much. Lamar Jackson was absolutely phenomenal, especially in the first half. Threw for 357 and three touchdowns, also had 36 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Gus Edwards had a good game. He had 80 receiving yards and 64 rushing yards, had a touchdown as well. On the other side, Jared Goff couldn't really get anything going. He did throw for 283, in the but did have an interception. Jameer Gibbs had his best game of his early career, and Amon Ross St. Brown went off. But it was a lot of garbage time yards, and this Ravens offense looked absolutely unstoppable. So... I want you to give your thoughts on the game, but then I want your thoughts on is this Lions team an absolute fraud? So, yeah, I was very shocked by the results on Sunday, and I think everyone was. I think this Lions team's not a fraud. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they're definitely an NFC Championship playoff-bound team. Um, And I think they just had a really tough weekend, and we've seen it happen to almost every team every year. Somebody just doesn't show up to play. They're still 6-2. and They've had a great, um, you know, show up so far, and I think they have a great opportunity to win the NFC North. I mean, the Vikings are 
improving, but the Packers don't look great and the Bears are abysmal. So I would put them in the playoffs, and I think if they get hot at the right time, they have the talent and weapons to do so. They're not completely on fraud watch. They're they're in the hallway, um, but I, I don't think they're there yet. Uh, hats off to the Ravens, though. Huge win. Lamar Jackson's right back in the MVP conversation like he is every season, it feels like. Um, this Ravens team's looking more dangerous every week as well. Yeah, I agree with you on the lines. I don't think they're a fraud. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender, but definitely not a th- fraud. Really, really good football team. All right. The last game I want to talk about is, of course, the Sunday night football matchup that we have between the Eagles and the Dolphins. And this one was supposed to be a really great game, but the Eagles ended up beating them by two touchdowns, and this one was never really close. Now the Eagles have traded for Kevin Byard from the Titans and just even gotten better. I mean, this Eagles team is absolutely insane. Jalen Hurts threw for 279, two touchdowns in this one. A.J. Brown had another absolutely phenomenal game. Dallas Goddard had the game of his year so far. And on the other side, Tua just couldn't get anything going. We saw Tyreek Hill go out in the second half banged up. Raheem Mostert is now banged up. So this upcoming week, this offense is going to be absolutely struggling for the Dolphins with I mean, the receiving core still has Jalen Waddle, but that's really about it. And then Devon Achain is still going to be out. Raheem Mostert is probable to miss. So it's going to be led by Salvin Ahmed, whatever his name is, and uh, the Jeff Wilson. So really banged up offense, but what are your thoughts on this Eagles team? Yeah, I think they're the best team in the league currently. and it's, it's, The Chiefs are really great. They're probably the one-be in this scenario, but I think the Eagles have the slight edge. Jalen Hurts is playing really well. He hasn't had his best game yet. And I think that's something that the Eagles fans and, fan, you know, franchise front office, whatever you want to call it, is looking forward to. Jason Kelsey's having a great year in year 12. Um, they just traded for Kevin Bird, but they also signed Julio Jones. And I know Julio's old, but it's just another weapon out there. Even if he's used as a decoy to take attention away from your A.J. Browns and Devontae Smiths, uh, this Eagles seems firing on all cylinders currently. All right, that's all I have in the NFL. So let's move on to – the World Series matchup that we have, and it's two very shocking teams. Coming into the playoffs, I never would have believed that you told me the Diamondbacks and the Rangers were playing. But here we are, and I'm so glad because I can't stand the Phillies. I can't stand the Astros. I didn't want either of them, but if I got both of them, I'd have probably thrown the remote right through the TV. So thank you to both of these teams for beating them. So now I can actually watch the World Series. Because I enjoy both of these teams. You have a young, youthful Diamondbacks team who is going to be very, very good for the next five to ten years. And then the the Rangers are, you know, they're a little bit on the older side. They're not too old, but it's a lot of players that you just, I don't know, looking at this roster, I wouldn't have thought that they'd have been a World Series team before the year. They have some really good players in the Grom, Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, I mean, they have playmakers, but it's not a World Series roster in my opinion. But props to both of these teams for getting here, getting hot at the right time. Game one is tomorrow night between Zach Gallen and Nate Uvalde. And I think this series goes seven. I think it's going to be a very good one, but with home field advantage and just how hot they are and how their bats are hitting right now, give me the Rangers in seven in this one. What's your pick? 
Yes, yeah, so the series is awesome. It's a very youthful team, like you mentioned, in Arizona, but it's also a second-chance team in Texas, it feels like. Most of these people were people that were let go by their franchise before, you know, kind of cast off, and they found a second coming there in Arlington. I am going to take the Rangers. It's like I've said on the podcast every time we've talked about baseball. The Rangers are playing like the best team in baseball, and until they stop, they're going to win a World Series. They've got the best opportunity. I'm going to take the Rangers in six. Um, I really like this Arizona team. Would not be surprised if they win or if this game or if this series goes to seven. I am going to take the Rangers in six. All right. Let's move to the NBA real quick, and I just want to hit on two things quickly. I want – first off, though, I want you to talk about what you saw out of your Atlanta Hawks uh, last night. Awful. Like, can't shoot. Trey and DeHonte went, what, like two for 18 or something? It, it's frustrating, not because I think we're not going to be better this year, but it's frustrating that all offseason, the whole thing was you got rid of John Collins, the offense now has a clear path, your defense has improved, which I think it did. The defense yesterday was better in times. But Quinn Snyder is supposed to be a top 10 coach in the NBA. I'm not arguing he's not. But to come out flat like we did last night is more of a, representation on the coaching staff, in my opinion, than the players. Obviously, the players go out there and play the game, but we just didn't seem excited to be there. We felt like we could cakewalk through, um, and you saw that in the first half, and we kind of gave up, and the Hornets played full 48 minutes, and we didn't. Um, Trey Young had five turnovers. Now he did have 24 points and nine assists, so his offensive production is there, but once again, that was something that, that was touted this offseason was the turnovers are down, the defense is better, and I think he did have a little bit more on-ball skill, but there's a lot of questions that the offseason supposedly had answered that just I did not see whatsoever yesterday in that game versus Charlotte. All right, and the last one I want to talk about is Victor Wimbignotta's debut, and he looked really good last night. He got in some foul trouble, which allowed him to only play 23 minutes, but in those 23 minutes he had 15 points, Five rebounds, two assists, was six of nine from the field, and three of five from three. Also had another three, but they called an offensive foul on the screen there that blew it off. But I, I like what I saw from him. I wish he had gotten a few more shots up. You know, like I said, was only allowed to play 23 minutes because of foul trouble. But what were your thoughts on his debut? Yeah, I thought he had a pretty good debut. Like you said, the foul trouble kept him on the bench most of the night. But of those 15 points, nine of those came in one quarter. So he has the ability to score easily and quickly, it seems like. His defense was awesome. Um, now they, they were calling some fouls on him, so that's something he's got to work on. But under the tutelage of Greg Popovich, I think he's going to be fine. It'll probably be a rough you know, week, two, three, but three weeks or so. And then once he gets comfortable in the, in the association, it's going to be with Mignotta time by far. All right. Well, do you have anything before we get into our bold predictions? I do not. All right. Well, I'll hit mine first real quick, and I'm going to pick a very similar one to last week. Uh, it was a high spread last week that I picked down to seven. I'm going to do the same thing this week. Florida State travels to Wake Forest as a 20-and-a-half point favorite, and this Florida State team the last few weeks has not shown me much. I get they keep winning. They beat Duke, yes, but it was a Duke team without Riley Leonard last week, and the few weeks before that, they had just barely sneaked out wins. 
Well, I think going on the road this week, I think they're going to overlook this Wake Forest team, and I would not be shocked if Wake Forest wins this outright. I won't pick the outright win, but I'm going to pick Wake Forest to lose by less than seven. That's uh, that's an interesting one. I, I kind of got on the train last week with your UCF bet, and I don't, I don't know if I can get on this train this week. But I'm going to shift to Jacksonville. Uh, I think this is, like I said, a get-right game for the dogs. And as much as I think Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton are going to have a great day for the backfield, I think this is the Lad McConkey return game. I'm going to take Lad for a rough stat line of, let me go, six catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. All right. Well, do you have any last words before we wrap it up? Uh, be safe this weekend. Uh, happy Halloween. That'll be up before the next episode. But uh, Bryson, maybe I'll get to see you down at Jacksonville. But if not, go Southern tonight. And uh, it's, it's always go dogs. I'm not going to say that awful school down in Gainesville. But we'll see how it goes. All right. We'll go Braves, go Hawks, and go Falcons.